0: Good afternoon and welcome to podcast two of Coffee Talk with Robin. I am your facilitator, Robin Davis, and I'm president of uh, Brown County United Way. And the goal of our podcast is to stay grounded and keep it local by giving you information about Brown County United Way and the issues that are facing our community so today um, our session topic is united way we've come a long way brown county and i am really privileged to have um, two guests with me today our first two guests of our podcast two of my esteemed colleagues here at brown county united way and i'm going to let them introduce themselves
1: hello there my name is tom shuffleman i'm the vice president of resource development and communications and it's exciting to be here and be part of this.
2: Yeah, great. Welcome, Tom, and... Hi, I'm Sarah Inman, and I'm the Vice President for Community Investment at United Way. Thanks for having us.
0: Well, thank you again for joining us. And so we talked in our first um, podcast about the goal, which is to invite listeners to hear um, hear about what we're doing to join in with authentic conversations with our staff, with local leaders, and community members about topics that matter to our community. As a nonprofit leader in this community, we want to influence and inspire others to give, advocate, and work together to solve um, complex community issues. So today, we're going to be focusing on our organizational history, our current status, and our refreshed strategic direction and what we hope for the future of our community. So if you're ready, we're gonna get started. Awesome. So this is not a joke, so don't adjust your, um, your earbuds and think that we've gone off um, off topic. But in talking about the origins of United Way, in, 19, in 1887, a Denver woman, a priest, two ministers, and a rabbi got together. And again, I said, now don't adjust your dial, but this is the real, um, the start. And they didn't walk into a bar, but what they did was recognize the need to work together in new ways to make Denver a better place. And that idea um, basically became the nation's first united campaign that benefited 10 area health and welfare agencies. And later the first community chest was established in 1913 in Cleveland, Ohio. So what I'd like to ask um, Sarah, because she is uh, a veteran, a seasoned um team member here at United Way, if she would just share a little bit as far as what she knows about the origins of Brown County United Way.
2: So Brown County United Way was founded in 1925, um, and over the years our, our name uh, has been uh, adjusted. We were a Red Feather Organization, a community chest, United Way of Brown County, and then finally Brown County United Way. Um, and so since that time we have been uh, one of the bedrocks of the nonprofit community and I'm really privileged to um, be a partner with so many others in making community change happen.
0: Great. Well, thanks for that that bit of history. And Tom, you're one of our newer team members. So just share a little bit about, bit about what you knew about United Way before you joined our team.
1: Well, actually, you know, I was a donor for, for years. I worked for another organization here in town, and I, I was a donor for many years. And... Um, you know, was was very excited. In fact when I saw the opportunity to to come to work here, I, I immediately called my wife and I said, I found the perfect job. Um, wow. and it, it was for me it was a great mix of, of being able to take care of my passions, um, of, of really helping the community, which again is, is really what, what United Way is about and, and be able to, to do that. So it was just a it was a great opportunity to get involved with an organization that's grassroots that really wants to change our community. And the passion was was just exciting to be a part of.
0: Great, and you've been a great addition, and so we're really excited to have you on board. And um, what I'd like to talk about, Sarah, many times you've uh, described Brown County United Way as not being all things to all people, right? And I mm-hmm. think sometimes folks just think of that broad term, and you're just going to you know do everything or address every issue that comes um, in the In the door so to speak so would you share a little bit with us about what are the areas that we focus on as an organization
2: sure well as you might guess uh, having been around since 1925 we have a long history um, in the community of convening around issues of concern and bringing about solutions helping to bring those about Um, right now our United Way is focused on the priority areas of um, education health financial stability and connection to community and those components, all four of them together, is really what it takes for individuals and families, um, households on the whole, to become stable and thriving uh, contributors to our community.
0: Great. And so what do you see as the, the role that United Way plays in terms of um, the work that we do around those four areas?
2: Sure. Well, as you might imagine, we've evolved over time uh, through our history. We are really excited because of that long history and our vested partnerships, deep partnerships that we have across the community to have um, connections across all sectors, whether it's the corporate community, the nonprofit community, government, education, healthcare, faith based, etc. So, with that positioning in the community, we have the opportunity to have influence at three different levels. Uh, one is at um, the individual level in terms of helping to support direct services within the system of care in the community. The second is uh, to help influence and improve systems um, and we are currently focused at the neighborhood level and are excited to embark upon uh, work in that area as well as promoting advocacy solutions, changes in policy that benefit um, populations on the whole. All three of those level influ- levels of influence together are what it really takes to bring about true community change, system change.
0: Thank you. So I wanna go back and maybe unpack in each of those three areas a little bit. So when we say system of care, what do we mean by that? Mm
2: -hmm. We mean by that the continuum of services that individuals have access to, resources that help them to become stable. So it might be, um, and I'm just giving examples here, access to food or transportation or housing, counseling, Um, support for um, individuals with disabilities, Mm -hmm. early child care, uh, support for the elderly, really along the whole life continuum, um, those direct services that benefit um, individuals in their quest to live a full life.
0: So when you say life continuum, that's from babies right through to, well, I don't really want to say to the grave, but, you know, to those later stages in life. How about that?
2: My favorite expression that I once heard a a volunteer of ours' uh, voice was twinkle to wrinkle.
0: That's great. I love that. So that's who we serve from the twinkle to the wrinkle. That's awesome. (laughs) And we won't talk about how close any of us is to that part. Anyway, so talk about um, system of care. So not system of care, we already talked about that. Systems change. System what, is change. That, what does that look like?
2: So changing systems, um, like I said before, really involves the intersection of all three of those levels of influence, uh, the program investment into the system of care, system improvement, and advocacy. So the next piece of that is system improvement, um, and we will uh, will be and we are currently focused in on making change change In neighborhoods, and so that means through investigating what's going on in those neighborhoods, partnering with others, uh, making strategic investments of time and resources, in order to impact um, specific concerns or issues and bring about Mm longer-term solutions.
0: Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And then, what about the advocacy piece?
2: The advocacy piece really entails um, attempting to to change or influence policies that impact our target population of those living in traditional poverty and those who are ALICE, asset-limited, income-constrained, and employed. So that could be a wide range of things, and I'm just citing these as examples. Um, it could be um, issues around um, housing stability or um, job training, access to education, health care, et cetera, um, working concertedly as an organization in our own right and very purposefully and with intention in partnership with others.
0: Great, thank you for sharing that. And that made me think about um, a question that many people asked before I came to United Way. We talked about in our first um, podcast how long we had each been on staff. And so I made mention of the fact that I was coming up on my two-year anniversary and prior to that I had served as president of Freedom House. And so when I was making the transition, people said, well, why do you wanna leave Freedom House? You were so passionate about that and the issues, homelessness hasn't gone away, right? And why would you move to um, United Way? And one of the things that I mentioned was that when you are on the ground, so to speak, in direct services, that's that's your lens every single day. Even though you recognize that the issues that impact the families or the individuals that you serve um, have to come at a systems level change or advocacy. And those were two areas that I had very little opportunity to touch as, as president of a direct services organization. And yet at United Way, I knew that the influence of that organization um, spread across those three areas. And I was really excited to be a part of that work. So for me it put into perspective what's not necessarily the next step well it was the next step for me but how important it was to have those three areas working together if you really want to see as people like to say uh you want to move the needle so um that was important and an important point for our listeners to recognize about who we are and what's our unique value proposition within um the community so i want to switch to tom and talk a little bit about um, where resource development fits within the, the work of uh, Brown County United Way.
1: Well, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think obviously it takes dollars in order to do a lot of the work that, that is, is necessary to create stability for, for everybody. And so it takes a community to, to raise those dollars and to be a part of and to, to generate that so that we can, can do the work that we're looking to do. Um, and so it, in, and really it, it, the, the neat thing I think about United Way is, is that it takes a community to really generate those dollars and to be successful um, and the passion of individuals. So when we, when we look at, at the resource development side, um, it's an opportunity for people to, to make a difference in their communities in a way that they could not do by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important. And, and most donors who give, most people who give, have this opportunity, they, they have been blessed themselves, they have received something, but they want to be able to give back to the community, they want to be able to give back something that they were able to, to, to get for themselves and, and to give back. And so this is a way that the people can do that then they going through United Way is a great way to make sure that their dollars are impacting as many people as possible and um, I think that's one of the, the core strengths of United Way is that ability to, to give to a, a single organization who then can take those dollars and look at the greater needs and put those into, into programs or into initiatives or, or places that will have the greatest impact and as then the whole community rises because of that. And that's, that's um, you know, a very important part. And I think it's the fact that the community can, can be a part of that.
0: Great. Thank you so. Thank you so much for that overview, Tom. And um, in what you talked about about, uh, about the evolution of United Ways, I want to uh, switch back to uh, Sarah for a moment to talk about um, where United Way was when you joined the staff and where we are today and where we hope to go. And we kind of label that uh, our refreshed strategic direction. So I'd like you to speak to that.
2: Sure. Well, I started at United Way uh, at the end of 2004, so about 14 years ago. And um, where we were then um, and where we are now has really been a a progression and evolution over time as with um, any or most organizations. With respect to our work, it's really been taking a purposeful look as we evolve at our impact, at our capacity as an organization, where our greatest strengths lie, where our unique niche is, which is those three levels of influence, and building a plan around what does that evolution look like um, in a way that not only capitalizes on our strengths, but makes the greatest community impact possible.
0: Great, awesome. And so um, I think that um, your team has done a lot of research around United Ways across the country and mm-hmm. where um, we see that mid size which we would be considered, and the larger mm-hmm. United Ways, what, what role or what unique role those um, United Ways are taking mm-hmm. throughout the country?
2: I, I would say um, we are certainly connected to our, our international organization, United Way Worldwide, um, but with United Ways, an additional great thing about us is that we are connected to that national, international organization, but at the same time, autonomous with respect to setting our direction according to what our local community needs are, what's, be, what's expected of us, and what our capacity is. And so, in our research, we've found The mid-sized to larger United Ways typically um, head along the path of, and they may not call it, the three levels of influence or describe those levels in exactly the way we are, but it's very common for United Ways to um, reside within those levels and to do some pretty incredible work. Um, What we have tried very purposefully to do, um, especially in the last six to seven years of our evolution um, along this pathway is to make sure that we have influence, again, across all three of those areas in an integrated way um, to have the greatest impact. So if you have a chance, uh, listeners, to um, Google other United Ways, you'll find a wide array of differences in terms of the issues that those United Ways might focus on, Mm -hmm. the way in which they uh, market what they do, describe what they do, um, but at our core, uh, we all have that unique ability to influence at those levels.
0: Great. Thank you for sharing that and unpacking that a little bit more for our listeners so that um, I think sometimes the question is, well, you know, what where are you guys going? or why did you make the change in the first place? And that's um, that was another uh, issue, if you will, that attracted me um, to this position because, of our desire to be more agile and nimble and to actually um, respond more quickly to the issues that we see rising in the community. And that is consistent with who we've been um, throughout our history. So that's been really important. Um, Tom, I wanna talk to you, I'd like you to share with us um, about the whole communication aspect. Like why, why does that need to be part of um, the work of United Way as far as communication?
1: Well, I think it. I mean, ultimately, it's it's to tell the story. Um, communication is important because there are many stories out there, and sometimes, um, you know, it, it was interesting. this This past Christmas, I was down in San Antonio, and driving and seeing under, going underneath some, you know, driving under past some bridges and seeing the homeless there. I think in in Brown County, um, some of our the people who are struggling, it's an invisibility. Um, it's not as easily recognizable we don't have as many people who are perhaps living on the street we don't have perhaps some of those same highly visible Places or are situations where we can see that people are struggling. So a lot of what com- the communication is about is helping people to see that, that there are individuals who struggle in this community, and sometimes they're the invisible ones, uh, the people that we don't necessarily know about. And I think it's important to be able to tell their story um, so that, again, people can understand that, that there is suffering, that there is people who are, who are needing a, a, a hand up to assist them with with you know getting along with their lives, so part of the communication is very much telling the story of of Alice, telling the story of those individuals, so that um, they again they have a voice and can be heard, and you know there's a there's a lot of you know that that's very meaningful uh, to tell those stories.
0: Great, thank you so much, Tom, and both of you mentioned Alice. So I'm gonna turn this back over to you, um, Sarah, to just unpack for our listeners a little bit more. So what's this, you know, what's ALICE all about and how did we as a United Way really take that on as, as a focus of our work? Sure,
2: so um, we have a state level organization called United Way of Wisconsin based in Madison. And in 20 around 2014, that organization commissioned the first Alice report for the state of Wisconsin. And I believe at that time we were the 14th state United Way organization to commission such a report. And then in 2016, a refreshed or updated uh, report was also commissioned and released uh, in the fall. And through those reports, it was revealed what many of us already knew, especially those working in the field professionally, uh, field of human services, that if you look at the standard poverty rate for example, for Brown County and for the state, it stayed pretty pretty steady over the years, and it's hovered around 11 or 12%. Um, so a question we would often get from those who uh, were seeking to give would be, well, the, the need doesn't seem all that great, but we always knew that it was greater than what That's that right. poverty mm-hmm. rate um, illustrated. So what the Alice Report did, uh, based on research uh, conducted through Rutgers, is that not only uh, that those... of people who are in quote-unquote traditional poverty, there's an additional layer of people over the top of that called ALICE, those who are asset-limited, income-constrained, employed, who are always there but now through this report are quantified. And so for Brown County, that's about 24% Mm -hmm. of the population. So combined, traditional poverty and ALICE, uh, which comprises those living below the ALICE threshold, that's about one in three households in Brown County.
0: Right, and that to your point, um, Tom, that just made the reality of who's struggling in our community very real. Right, that I think we talked one time about doing an exercise where we had folks count off in a room and you know, one, two, three, and then have um, those folks stand up. And all of a sudden, you know, if you're number two, they're on either side of you, right? And so, here are the individuals and here are the families who. Um, are struggling in our community, and that number is much greater than what we thought before. And to your point, Sarah, um, I've said this many times, I remember sitting in that meeting where the when the report was first released, and we all said, oh my gosh, this is fantastic, because we knew in the homeless shelter, there were families, two couples working hard, and still, you know, they were one incident and not even i mean sometimes we like to say catastrophic but really sometimes it wasn't a catastrophic instance you know the way we think about it but something critical happened in their lives and the next thing you know they can't pay rent and now here they are in the shelter or they don't have enough money left over at the end of the month and now they're going to a pantry or they're going to another feeding program so the alice report has really changed the conversation and it resonates throughout the community. Um, Tom, can you just speak to what has it meant as you've gone out and talked to leaders in our community and shared the Alice message?
1: That was actually very eye-opening for me last year. Going out as we have met with a lot of the CEOs of companies, and the astonishment, I guess, in some cases, that that wow, it, you know, that's that's really what it is. I can remember one CEO was. He kept talking about it after the meeting was done. As he walked out of his out of the meeting room, he kept mumbling, wow, "One and three are, are struggling," um, and it just you know he kept just, just repeating that as he walked out. I think others have looked at that and said, you know, we have to take ownership of some of this too that this is as I look around our employee workforce and we have people who are in you know in our communities or in our in our in our our companies that are potentially in this same situation so I think it really brought home for a lot of people it, it started to personalize the message I think a little bit more even though we didn't put faces per se on it it did make people stop and realize that that it is how prominent it is and that it, it is you know something that, that impacts you you can look around and, and now you start to look at people and you think wow are they you know this this could be somebody this could be somebody not that you know again stereotyping but just re- recognizing that that many individuals are are struggling mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Thank you for sharing that um, and so I'm gonna come back to you Sarah and just talk a little bit about um, how the Alice, Um, This information about ALICE has really found its way, integrated throughout our strategic um, direction and how we're approaching um, addressing the ALICE uh, ALICE plus poverty.
2: Sure. Well, all of our efforts across those three levels of influence that we talked about before, uh, program investment into the system of care, system improvement and advocacy, are all focused on, those living below the ALICE threshold, those in traditional poverty and those who are ALICE. When the uh, one in three households uh, statistic was affirmed through the uh, statewide ALICE report, that one in three for Brown County, we also uh, set a community goal, which is 10,000 individuals on the path to stability in 10 years. And by stability, um, to uh, emphasize what I said before, stability for us really means that Everyone in the community ideally would have access to education, health care, be able to be financially well, and be connected to community, however a person would define community for himself or herself, having that support system in place.
0: Good. You know, one of the exciting um, projects that we have coming up is um, capturing the voice of Alice, right? Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Sure, so the Voice of Alice project is centered around a research method called Photo Voice. And our staff team is uh, developing the process by which we will engage our first group of uh, participants. And it's really designed to capture, beyond the high level information included in the Alice report, the lived experiences of people in our community who are Alice. So our aim is to really uh, gain that feedback. And from uh, a wide array of individuals in a focus group setting, culminating in a photo exhibit, that's the name Photo Voice, um, later this year. Mm-hmm.
0: And we're, we're really excited about that, um, because as Sarah said, that gives us the authentic voice of um, individuals and families that are struggling in our community, and then it allows, allows us to develop some targeted, along with our partners, targeted solutions that are really going to um, To meet the need and help drive change right so often we talk about this all the time You know we have great ideas, and we have a great heart for you know Here's what we're gonna do and here's how we're gonna help and then we don't actually Talk to right or talk with or gain insight from those who are going to benefit and so we're so excited about This project, and so we invite listeners to stay tuned because when this project is completed, we're expecting that there will be um, a public exhibition that will tell that story um, in words and photos, and once again bringing the story to our um, community, right? So and giving a voice to the needs. So we're we're really excited about that. Can we pause for one? Oh, good, we're five minutes. Well, I want to thank our guests today, Sarah Inman and Tom Shuffleman, my esteemed colleagues from Brown County United Way for um, sharing their time and their expertise and their knowledge around um, community investment as well as resource development and communication and how that impacts where we've been as an organization, where we are today and where we're going in the future. For those of you who are listening, if you represent an organization, Or you're a community member and you'd like to learn more about our work or become involved, then I would invite you to visit our website. That's www.browncountyunitedway.org. It's a mouthful, but when you type that in, you'll um, go right to our website and you'll find a variety of ways um, to reach out to us. So. That's it for today as we wrap up. Um, Thank you everybody for tuning in to our second podcast. Again, this is Robin Davis and I've been here chatting with Sarah Inman and Tom Shuffleman on Coffee Talk with Robin, keeping it grounded and staying local. We want you to come back and join us for our next podcast because you've heard us talk about not doing this work alone and that next podcast will be entitled It Takes a Village. We'll be chatting with some of our United Way leaders and volunteers to hear more about their passion to serve. Thanks for listening, and we will connect with you next time.